Have you ever wondered why it's difficult to give your attention, energy, and take action on what matters the most to you? Or to speak up with clarity from the best part of yourself? If that's you, then you're in the right place. The follow-through formula is dedicated to providing daily inspiration for you to follow through on the real you. Welcome, I'm Rick Lewis. This is episode nine of the Follow Through Formula podcast. And uh, feeling pretty good today. Um, the last eight days of one episode a day and my commitment to do a daily podcast has been sort of up and down and I'm sure uh, I'll, I'll hit some other points that might be a little more difficult, but today I'm feeling good. What I want to talk about today is one of six hidden obstacles that consistently block people from making life leaps or from making large positive change or pursuing goals that matter to them. These six hidden obstacles are detailed in my follow through formula roadmap guide. And I have previously uh, provided some direction on where you can get that roadmap. If you go to gamesforconfidence.com forward slash roadmap, you can get the whole roadmap, which details these six hidden obstacles that keep us from achieving our big goals and the six corresponding resources that you need in order to overcome those obstacles. And what I'm going to talk about today is obstacle number six in the roadmap. And obstacle number six is trying to change alone. Trying to change alone, that is all by ourselves. We've been raised in what I would call a hero culture. A culture that's trained us to believe will get more admiration or glory or credit if we do things all on our own. And we also feel we'll be better protected emotionally from the expectations, the demands, or disappointments of others when we make change efforts in private. Now, personally, myself being a lone wolf, this has been a big stumbling block for me my whole life. Very difficult for me to reach out and ask for help. And this podcast, while I'm, I am giving something of value to others, this is a way of me asking for help. This is me openly saying, I want to create and facilitate a community conversation about pursuing what matters most. And I need the help of people who are willing to dive in and have this conversation with me and work on the competencies that allow them to triumph in this manner and to invite that will be an invitation for other people to want to join in as well. 
So the sixth resource in the guide, in the roadmap, which if you go get it, you'll see in there, the sixth resource that we all need when we're pursuing a big goal or a big life change is partnership. And I've been getting some really wonderful feedback about the previous episodes. Um, People love the stories. Everyone's really been appreciating a lot of the stories that I've I've been able to share. And uh, so I want to tell you a story today that has to do with the willingness and the vulnerability or the power of the vulnerability and asking for help. So I've mentioned on some previous episodes that for a period of, of about 10 years, I made my living as a street performer, doing street shows, gathering a a crowd in public, just impromptu, creating a big enough crowd and and giving away enough of a wonderful experience that people would pay me for it at the end. Literally just put cash donation in my hat. And, you know, cash is something that's disappearing these days. But back when I was doing this in the 1980s, mid 90s, cash was uh, in plentiful supply. People actually had coins and bills in their wallet. So I would street perform all the time and I would pass my hat and I, I could make some substantial money from a single street show, especially on busy, sunny days in Granville Island Market in Vancouver, BC. I'd set up, I'd do my show, I'd, I'd really milk it and draw it out, give them my best stuff for like an hour. And at the end, by the time I would get on top of this 12-foot tall unicycle I had that was the finale of my show getting on top of a 12 foot high unicycle and by the way the only way I could get on that unicycle was getting 12 volunteers out of the audience and I would get them to hold on to the unicycle hold it upright imagine a seat on top of a pole 12 feet up in the air and four people holding that pole, then a big rope over the top of the seat, and four people holding that rope off to the side on each side of the unicycle, and then me doing a tight rope walk up the rope to the seat 12 feet in the air and riding it. That was the finality of my show. And I worked on and developed and refined the street show over many years and it just got better and better and I found out what thrilled people, what they loved, what was great entertainment for them combined with comedy. And so I got to the point where I was making like really good money, like substantially good money. And if you imagine how much could be made in a street show, I I won't say exactly, but it's probably, it's more probably than you're even imagining. So I got really good at this, and one day I was at Granville Island. It was one of these perfect summer days, and I was looking forward to a couple of shows I had been scheduled for on, in one of the most lucrative spots, and there are several spots in Granville Island, but there's this one main spot where you, you can gather the biggest crowds and make the best money. Following my first show, a woman who was in the audience came up to me as I was holding my hat. I had just done my hat pitch and asked for money. And then, I mean, it it is such a feeling to have 
a crowd of hundreds of people converge on you with cash and put it right in your hat. And this was a regular experience for me at that time. I mean, it was just so, so glorious and so wonderful. But this woman came up, she gave me a donation, and then she jokingly asked me if I wanted to donate all the money I had just made to help her replace a hot water heater in her house that had unexpectedly burst and flooded her basement while she had been on vacation. So, you know, we talked and joked for a few minutes about that. Of course, I no, I didn't give her, I didn't give her all the money in my hat. But as she walked away, an idea took root in my mind and I decided to experiment with this idea during my second performance. So what I did is I did my usual show, but after collecting donations at the end, I announced to the audience that I was going to give someone in the crowd a chance to win all the money that I collected at the end of the show. I did the hat pitch and I let people come forward and then I said, but don't go away because all of this money that you're giving to me right now, I'm going to give away. I said, anyone can win this money. All you have to do is come up in front of the crowd and give a 30-second speech on behalf of your plan or dream and describe how you would use this cash. Then I said, everybody here is going to vote on who's the most worthy recipient of the money. So when I asked for volunteers of who wanted to come up to try and speak on behalf of winning the money, at least a hundred hands instantly shot into the air. And we're talking about seven, 800 people. I went around and I selected 20 people at random and invited them up onto the stage. They were standing there. They all lined up. I got them lined shoulder to shoulder. There were men, women, and kids. So I started at one end, and I handed the microphone to the small boy who was at that end. And he took the microphone, and he shouted out, I think I should get all the money because if you give it to me, I could get a lot of candy. Everybody laughed, and I was feeling the delight of having tried this new idea and there being such energy Behind it, I was anticipating all the fun that was about to come from listening to these 20 volunteers contesting for the cash. Then something unexpected happened. One by one, the microphone was passed along, and instead of being more entertained, the crowd got more and more focused and silent riveted on each individual, many of whom were quite nervous about being in front of an audience and listening to them take the risk of speaking about their cause. Some of the people talked about charities they volunteered for, organizations they believed in, passionate petitions were made for the homeless, the hungry, single mothers, nonprofits with real visions. And the further down the line we got, the more each person brought to his or her appeal. Finally, we came to the last participant, 
clearly a blue collar worker who was in overalls with kind of unkempt hair. What it made me think of is this statistic that's often repeated, which is that when they do polls about what people fear most, fear of speaking in public ranks higher than the fear of death. The look on this man's face was a demonstration of that statistic. I, my guess was he had never spoken in public before in his entire life. Yet something motivated him to take a place on stage and attempt to convince this very big gathering of complete strangers why he should get all the money that was waiting in my hat. I handed him the microphone from the previous person to him, and he quietly began telling us about his grown son, who months earlier had suffered a really bad injury. His son had been out of work for months, really scraping to get by. He explained that his son was just several hundred dollars short of the money he needed for an operation that would get him back to work. This distraught and troubled father spoke not just for his son, but he was talking about his, his daughter-in-law and his grandchildren, this family of his sons and how they were struggling based on his son's injury. Now, the, the cause that he was speaking on behalf of, it, it wasn't any greater than that of the other people on stage. But this man's whole body was trembling. You could literally see his knees shaking. His voice was quavering. He was so nervous about making this public appeal. It was completely clear that no one else who spoke that day risked themselves with more vulnerability than he did. So I went back to the audience and we went down the line one by one and I had people clap and cheer for the the person that they thought should get the money. And I could tell even as I went down the line, everyone was holding on to the very end and the audience was unanimous, like completely went through the roof with cheering and applause when I got to this last man and said, how many people think this man should get the money? I mean, people were just like, go give him the money. They were just, I'm, it actually chokes me up just when I think about this guy and just the courage that he had, God, I can't even believe this is so affecting me emotionally because I haven't told the story in a while, but it happened, this happened 20 years ago and I can still see him. That level of bravery on behalf of someone else asking for help, his love and his innocence, he's, he was so simple. He had such simplicity. And it, it just translated. Everybody wanted to help this man. A man who underneath was this proud, hardworking father 
who overcame his own deeply ingrained habit of remaining independent by honestly and directly asking for help. I'm so glad I thought of this story because it's really opening something up in me. What I'm doing here is asking for help. My putting these podcasts out daily around this conversation about us pursuing what matters most and the fear that's in between us and that thing that we most want and how the fear keeps stopping us and how we keep letting the fear stop us and how we keep allowing culture to supply us with endless degrees of distraction and product and entertainment and options and we're willingly engaging in all these other things instead of taking that risk to do what we love, talk about what we love, ask for help to make something happen that we believe so strongly in. That's all I'm doing here. I love talking to people about this subject because when I talk about it, every once in a while, somebody lights up and somebody connects in to that thing that they want or have always wanted or that they want now or some big change that they're up against and they light up and they get this reference point for, wait, this is actually possible. The only reason it's not been possible is because I haven't been willing to take the risk. I haven't been willing to be a big enough, visible enough commitment and risk rejection or judgment or failure. But the thing we know about human beings and all the stories we hear about various heroes who have accomplished big things in their lives, every single one of these stories have a phase of the story where the person fails or fails repeatedly or works at something for a very long time and doesn't get real traction until they've stuck with it for weeks or months or years. And then they break through because it mattered to them enough to keep going. That's what this podcast is about. That's what the follow-through formula is about as a course and the Life Leap community that surrounds that. And the community is key. That's why this course is embedded inside of the community I want to form, where we come together and we don't let each other back away, lose hope, stop trying in relationship to the thing that really matters to us. We can't do this alone. Our failure to address the things that matter most to us as a culture are because we're unconsciously helping each other in the wrong direction. We're unconsciously helping each other to 
forget what matters most and indulge in all the available distractions and excuses and reasons for not thinking big about what's possible. The Life Leap community is going to be the opposite. It's a place where we remind ourselves about what matter matters most and we know that the whole purpose of being there as a community is to make those leaps and to not let each other play small. That's my passion. That's my vision for this project. It's why I'm doing this podcast every single day. And despite everything that keeps coming up for me about well, is this really going to work? And do people really care? And how many downloads were there yesterday? And when the when there are fewer downloads of the podcast, thinking, oh, maybe I should stop doing this. I mean, I'm telling you, all these thoughts go through my mind. But because I know the nature of where they're coming from, I'm just letting them be there, but sticking with this commitment. And I want the same for you. Whatever it is, that you're looking to pursue, I want to support you in that. And I can support you to a certain extent through just what I'm speaking here each day. But if you're willing to come forward and say, hey, here's what I'm working on. I want your direct help or I want to take the course. I want to be part of the community. You take a step that is going to be hugely beneficial, not just to you, but to this project that I'm describing, because I can't do it with just me. The vision here is to reverse the cultural context of playing small as a group, create a pod of people who are internalizing a different conversation and a different way of being in the world. And if we have a whole bunch of people who are doing that all at once, then each of those people, when they go out and live their lives, they're going to come in contact with other people who are going to feel the difference in how they're being. And they're going to want some of that. And that's going to rub off on them. That's what I want. I want to create a a collective that has an impact on the world around us and reverses this cultural conversation. Well, there you go. I think that's good enough for today. So um, again, this is about this specific podcast episode is about the willingness to be in partnership and to ask for help and get and be supported for your big life leap and to, to break the hidden rule of being independent and trying to change alone, to trust other human beings, to rope up and go there together. If you want to get the roadmap, you just go to gamesforconfidence.com forward slash roadmap and you can download the whole thing. You'll see all six of these hidden obstacles and all six of the resources that you need. And, and the follow-through formula course and Life Leap community are set up so you can get those resources 
you don't have to join to get value from this roadmap. The roadmap will help you. So please go get it. And then if you want to join in with the course and community, um, that would be wonderful. I'm just waiting for you. And I rejoice every time somebody takes that risk and says, yep, I want to play this game. All right. Thanks again for listening. This has been episode nine. I'll be back at you tomorrow with episode 10. Have a wonderful day. And if you know what that thing is you're pursuing, remember the 21 day challenge I started way back in the first episode is still alive. So what small action can you take today that'll move your goal or your vision forward? What is it? It can be as small a step as you want, but when you take a small step, you're shifting your whole physiological and neurological habit toward intelligent risk-taking, intelligent misbehavior, as I've called it before in some of my books. All right, signing off for today, I'm Rick Lewis. Whoever you are, I wish you the absolute best on your journey. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for being here and being a die-hard listener down to the last decibel. My vision for these conversations is that you get informed and inspired to take consistent action on the real you. If these podcasts help you to do that, I'm thrilled. And if you'd like to take that work to the next level, I invite you to join me inside the Life Leap community, where I'm creating a culture and a support network for those who want to pursue what matters most in their lives. To learn more, just go to gamesforconfidence.com and click on the Life Leap menu item. I'd love to see you on the inside, and otherwise, I'm sure we'll meet again in another episode.